Hello, this is Terry Cheek. I want to thank you for choosing our broadcast, and my prayer is that it will be an encouragement to your walk with the Lord. Comments or questions can be directed to me via the link on our sermon audio page. Now, on to your selection. So as we think about today, the image that we have of Jesus, I want us to go back to this passage, and I want us to see what the Bible tells us. And I want us to understand what the Bible shows us is Jesus. Who he is. Who the Jesus that John knew. When he was there, he was taking down some information that the Holy Spirit was giving him and he was writing it down and then it's what we call the book of Revelation today. And John knew him because he had been with him for three years. He had watched him get crucified. He had watched him as he had risen from the dead and then he ascended to heaven and now he is talking with John again on the Isle of Patmos. So John knew he had a real good idea of who Christ is. Much better than what you and I can have today because we've never walked with him. We've never spoken with him other than speaking through his word. We have never had that type of a personal one-on-one relationship like John did. Now, we should have a personal relationship with Christ. That personal relationship should be one spiritually made. That relationship should be one where we have asked Jesus to forgive us of our sin, to cover us in his blood, and to make us one of his children, one of his disciples. It's called being born again. It's very simple. We just pray a simple prayer and ask him into our heart. And that personal relationship is formed then. But we still have to get a good idea and a good picture about who Jesus is so that we know who we're following. So this morning I want us to take a look at some things that come from our passage. First I want us to notice that Jesus is unmistakable. In verse 13, we see that John said he turned to see the voice that spake with me. When Jesus wants our attention, he knows how to get it. John knew Christ, yet Christ got his attention, his undivided attention. Now think about that in your personal life for just a little while this morning. What has happened in your life where it could be Jesus getting your attention, where he wants to speak to you? I've had it happen in my life. I had it happen several times in my life, and often I didn't realize at the time what was going on. As I have grown in my walk with the Lord, I'm more sensitive to that now. But Jesus could be doing things and letting things happen in your life that where he is just simply saying, I want to speak with you. I want to have your attention for a few moments. That's what he did with John. And John turned around to see the voice that he was hearing. In other words, John stopped and he focused his attention on what the Lord wanted him to have. That's what I want to encourage you to do in your lives. Take a look at your life. Think about it seriously and find out what God is trying to get you to turn around and pay attention to him with. Find out what the Lord wants you to be paying attention to. He's got something to share with you. He has something to tell you and he wants your attention to do it. It's unmistakable when he does that. Also, we see that in the midst of the seven candlesticks that he saw was one like to the Son of Man clothed in a garment. 
Now we will get further into this in more detail, but those seven candlesticks are the seven churches. Those are representations of the seven churches. And they use, the Bible uses a candlestick, or God used a candlestick for a purpose because it has a fire, it has oil in it, and it has a fire. That oil is a representation of the presence of the Holy Spirit, and that fire is the burning desire that those involved in the church and those involved in a personal relationship with Christ, they have that burning desire to know more about Him and to have a closer walk with Him. So that candlestick has a purpose. Anyhow, John saw it. And when John saw that candlestick, and he realized what it was, what it was happening and what was going on, he knew, he knew that God was wanting to dwell among him and in his presence. It was unmistakable that the Lord had something to say to him and had something to give to him. So, be aware that Jesus has something for you. Jesus is here for you. You don't have to impress him. You don't have to do anything special to get his attention. He already knows about you. And he loves you. He died for you on Calvary's cross. He rose again after the third day so that he could provide for you and for me eternal life through the gift of salvation. It's unmistakable what Jesus can do in a person's life. Next, I want you to know that he is the unrestrained one. When we hear that he was girt or wrapped about the paps or the midsection with a golden girdle. Well, what do we know about a girdle? A girdle restrains. It restrains. And what do we know about that word paps in the midsection? It's used to describe that, particularly that, a midsection of a person's body. In this case, those things are used to describe the emotions of Christ. Christ's emotions are restrained to a point. Right now in the day that we live in, it is called the day in the age of grace. We have grace and mercy to come to Christ and call upon Him. But the day will come when that will be unrestrained. His emotions will be unrestrained. We see Jesus being bad-mouthed a lot today. We hear people talk about him and talk about uh, he's not who he says he is. He stands for this or he stands for that or he doesn't exist. And we wonder where is Christ in all of this? Where is he? The day is coming when he is going to be unrestrained, when that girdle of restraint is going to be removed and his emotions of judgment is going to pour out across this, the face of the earth. That is the book of Revelation. It talks about that time and about that period. The importance of this part of the message is to understand that the Jesus that we have access to today, the Lamb of God, is in a very short time going to be replaced with the Lion of the tribe of Judah. It's important to know that Jesus today stands in our presence ready to save and ready to forgive and ready to call into his fold everyone that will. But the day will come when his purpose on this earth will be much different than what we see it today. It will be still possible to be saved during that tribulation day that's coming. But it will be much more difficult to deal with it in the public life and in the world. 
We think it might be difficult now to deal with the scrutiny and to deal with the criticism of being a Christian, and there can be a lot of that out there. I'll be honest with you. There is no such thing as as having the free, the pie-in-the-sky Christian life that for a while has been painted in front of people to say that, you know, if you come to Jesus, you're going to have no more problems. That's not true. If you come to Jesus, you will have a totally different set of problems because Jesus will now be your friend, your Savior, your Lord, and your Master, and the devil will put a bullseye on your back. I will be honest with you. He will. But we know from Ephesians chapter 6 that there is an armor of God. Praise God for that. There is an armor, a spiritual armor, that He places in front of us for us to put on and engage in that warfare with the devil that will protect us, that will help us, that will strengthen us, that will guard us. He provides for us. It doesn't mean that we won't feel these things and we won't be exposed to them, but we will have a way of dealing with them. The Lord loves us enough to provide that for us. Just be, understand, understand and don't be mistaken when Christ is talking to you and understand that the restraint that's being shown toward grace and mercy in our lives today is something that's not always going to be there. So if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior this morning, don't put it off. Today is the day. Today is the day that you can call upon Him to be your Lord and to be your Savior. Today is the day that you need to be doing that and establishing that relationship. And let Him give you the armor of God, the armor of Ephesians 6 that He places in your life to help give you the protection and the tools necessary to fight off the battles of the devil. Because right now, right now you're vulnerable to the devil. And you're vulnerable to every scheme and every everything that he's got going in the world. And you've got no protection. Nothing. And Jesus is here for you today. Well, next we need to understand that he is the undeceivable one. His eyes were as a flame of fire. Fire is a thing of cleansing in the Bible. I don't know what you may know about metallurgy, but whenever we're melting brass or silver or even gold, when we put it in the pot and we melt it down, the hotter we get it, the more impurities come to the top. There is usually black, ugly impurities and just goo that just floats to the top in these metals. You have to take a, a ladle and you have to dip it off and throw it away. Then you turn the heat up a little bit more and you have to dip, you have to dip off more impurities and throw them away. And you keep repeating that process over and over and over again and again until all the impurities are moved, well, removed. And that's the purest gold, the purest silver, the purest of any of the metal. And it makes it the most valuable. When we see fire in the Bible, it is a symbol of cleansing and removing the impurities. When you're dealing with trouble in your life that can be described as spiritual fire and vigor that's cleansing, it's cleansing you. It's bringing those impurities and the things in your life that God wants to be removed. It's bringing them out and it's putting them up front in your eyes so that you can deal with them. You and God can deal with them. When we hear John talk about talk about uh, uh, the flame, his eyes were as a flame of fire. 
Jesus sees and knows everything about every one of us. We're not, we know we can't hide anything from him. And during the course of that, not hiding anything from him, his fiery eyes can bring up the impurities that he wants us to deal with in our lives. Not to make us miserable, but to get us close to him. To get those things out of our life that keep us pushed away from him. It's because he loves us, because he wants to be a part of our life, a close part of our life. Not just someone we know about, but someone that we know personally. Somebody that we know spiritually. Somebody that we know because we have prayed and we've asked him into our heart and into our life. Well, next we see that he is the undeterrable one. His feet were like brass, as if they burned in a furnace. He is undeterrable. Nothing is going to stand in his way. If Christ is dealing with your heart and dealing with your life today, don't think ignoring him is going to make it stop. Because it's not. Brass is a symbol of judgment in the Bible. When he says his feet are like brass and is undeterrable, he is, he knows what judgment is going to be. And like I, like I have said otherwise, what's judgment in the Bible? I've explained it before. Judgment in the Bible is just like judgment in a courtroom. When you go to court, I've been in court, I've been there, I've watched it. Anybody who's ever sat in a session of court, Knows how it plays out. You've got the prosecutors over here and their witnesses. You've got the defense over here and their witnesses. And everybody has a turn of putting their witnesses up there to have their say. And when everybody, all the witnesses have been heard, they sit down and the judge then makes a judgment. But when the judge makes a judgment, nobody else is allowed to say anything, are they? All they have to do is just sit there and listen to what the judge has to say. That's what judgment will be spiritually in our lives. We've been wrongly misled to believe when we are judged of God that we're going to, we're going to be able to plead a case to Him and maybe out of His love and goodness and mercy, He will give us a pardon. The time of pardons and the time of making a deal with the judge and with the, with the judgment, that's past. We've already had that time and that opportunity. And if we haven't taken advantage of it, there's nothing left to do but stand before God guilty and wait on the judgment to come. When we understand that as the brass that's pictured here and also the fact of Christ not being deterred, He's not going to be deterred from pursuing us for a pardon. He wants to give us a pardon. Every one of us, He wants to give us a pardon. He wants us to come to him and say, forgive me. He wants us to ask for forgiveness so he can grant a pardon in our life. And he's not going to be deterred from doing that. But then on the other side of that, if we continually reject and reject and reject, the day will come where he will have to pass judgment on us and he will not be deterred from doing that either. So we need to realize and understand that Jesus is both our best friend and can be our worst enemy if we if we push him away and push him away and force him to make that judgment upon us. He can be our pardon or he can be our judgment. That decision is up to us. It's not what God does. God doesn't send people to hell. 
That's something that, you know, you may have, may have heard falsely that God will send this one to hell and that one to hell. People send themselves to hell. God doesn't send us to hell. God will pardon us from hell if we will ask. He will save us. He will redeem us. But if we decide to go, if we decide we want that judgment, that's our decision. It isn't God's. But He will be undeterrable. We won't be able to stop Him. We're not going to change Him. Also, He's going to be unanswerable. His voice is as a sound of many waters. If you've ever been to a waterfall, maybe the Linville Falls or the Catawba Falls, and you hear the roar of the waterfall, you have to talk to someone. If you're going to talk to someone, you've got to get really close to them because you can't out, outdo the volume of that water. That's the way the voice of Christ is going to be. When the voice of Christ is calling you to repentance, when He is calling and moving in your heart to accept Him, it's going to be just as loud as that waterfall and you're not going to be able to overwhelm it. You're not going to be able to do something to, to get your mind off of it. It's going to be there. And in turn, when He has to make judgment on us, we're not going to be able to ignore it. We're not going to be able to talk over it. We're going to have to accept it. We can accept His offer of forgiveness or we can wait and have to deal with His judgment. But He is not going to be unanswerable. He's going to be someone that we're going to have to pay attention to. He's going to be someone that's going to demand our undivided attention in everything He does. Next, He is unparalleled. And in his right hand, he had seven stars. Those seven stars were the seven angels of the churches. And those seven angels of the churches are also seven messengers. Could have been pastors. It could be others. But we'll get into that a little bit later. But the point is, there were people who were giving the message of Jesus Christ in all of the churches around the world. Those seven churches, are those seven candlesticks represented all the churches in the world. They represented all of that. So these angels, they are, they are the messengers. They are the ones who are unparalleled in his message. There is no message like the message of Jesus Christ. There is no one or no one that has ever lived or no one that ever will live that can do for you what Jesus Christ can do for you. Now, uh, there are programs that we get into to help us. There are other people that we talk to that will help us, and those are great. I'm all for those. But ultimately, there is nothing or no one that is going to help you the way Jesus Christ can help you. Knowing Him as your Lord and Savior, calling Him into your life to forgive you of your sin, and making that move, if that's what you need. And if you're already a Christian, and you already know that He is your Lord and Savior, then finding out how close you are to Him, and how close you need to be to Him, that is your next step, and your next place, and your next walk with Him. There is no one like Him. There is no one that can stand in your place, and you're, you're that special to Him. That may be hard to, to get, but you're that special. He 
thinks that much of you. This is a person who loves you enough to have died for you. When he died on the cross, he died in your place and in my place. The Bible says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. That death that he experienced on the cross was my death. It was your death. That gift of eternal life was what he offered me as a pardon so that I wouldn't have to die. That gift that he offers is your pardon so that you won't have to experience that death either. No one else that has ever walked the face of the earth can offer you what Jesus can offer you. Not only is he unparalleled, but he's unconquerable. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. Over in the book of Hebrews, we hear, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing under of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God. The Bible. The Bible. A two-edged sword came out of his mouth. It was his word. It was his word. We say today, often we'll hear people say today, well, God doesn't speak to people today. Yes, he does. He speaks through this. The Bible. This is God's way of talking to you and I. We get to read his words as he has given them to others to write down. We get to experience what he wants us to experience from these words. And we've understood from the book of Hebrews, the passage I just read, that this word is sharper than a two-edged sword. It separates the soul from the spirit. It separates the bone from the marrow. It goes down and goes into even our deepest thoughts of our heart. The Bible will touch all of those. Body, soul, spirit, mind. The Word of God. The Word of God is unconquerable. It can't be defeated. The Word of God has stood for thousands of years. The, the translation that I use, the King James may have not have been, been in existence until 1611, but there were others that were in existence before. And in another hundred years, if the Lord tarries, there will be translations of God's Word in existence then. It's not going to go away. Many people have tried to destroy it. Many people have tried to eliminate it and get it off the face of the earth. Today, there are those who want to get it silenced and hushed even in this country. But it will continue to be preached. It will continue to be taught. It will continue to be read. It will continue to be delivered and taken around the world and dropped into homes and hearts. The messages that I record here and that I place on the website, those messages go all around the world. As a matter of fact, I've gotten the October report just a couple of days ago. In the month of October, the messages that we record here in this facility and we send out and put on the website, they went to 
29 states and 13 countries around the world. The message that God placed here for you to hear, He also dropped in other states, in other countries, among other people to touch their hearts as well. It will go around the world. You're part of a worldwide distribution of God's Word. It's unconquerable. The devil can't do anything with it. And he will never be able to do anything with it. Not only that, it is unequaled. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. When John saw Christ, he saw his countenance. He glowed. He glowed. The power of God just emanated from him. When someone comes to know Jesus, their countenance changes. They glow. The burden of sin is lifted. And they may not understand what that is at that time. But it is lifted off of their, as a weight off of their body. They realize there is peace. They realize there is love and joy and contentment in their heart that is un, that's unequal. We can't explain it. But we don't have to explain it. All we have to do is accept it. Jesus being unconquerable and he being unequal are two things that you need to hold on to in your life daily. Because these nine things that I gave you this morning about Jesus, they're more than just my personal image of Christ. They're more than what I've created in my own mind. They are things that God's Word tells me about Him. And they showed up to John so that as John moved, as he moved through and as he got the rest of the book of Revelation, all of these pictures, all of these details of Christ come out in Revelation. All of these details of Christ can come out in your life and in your walk with Him. So this morning, as I get ready to close, I'm going to close in prayer here in just a moment. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to stay after the service and let me know, and we'll sit down and we will talk. If you do know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to stay, and we will talk about getting closer to Him. Whatever the Holy Spirit is working with in your heart and your life today, I want to encourage you to listen and I want to encourage you to put away your personal image of Christ and let God's Word speak to you and let the Holy Spirit have His way in your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You so much for the message and the Word that You have given. I pray, Heavenly Father, that it doesn't return to You void this morning, but it accomplishes that which You have purposed it to do. Lord, I thank you for Jesus Christ today. 
I thank you so much for what he has done and what you have allowed as far as the pardon of sin to avoid your eternal judgment that is promised to come. Lord, I thank you for the picture that you've given of Christ and his work that was accomplished on the cross. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you've allowed him to provide a pardon for me and for all who will call upon you. Dear Lord, be with each one of these ladies. I lift them up to you. Lord, I ask that you will touch their hearts and their lives. I trust you to call them unto you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.